Welcome to Strange Assembly, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast. This is Chris Stevenson. With me is Kevin Kennedy. Hi. Hey, uh, one of the the most common comments we got after our, our first episode is that people would like to know a little bit more about who we are here. So why don't you tell everybody about your L5R experience, Kevin? Okay. Um, my name is Kevin Kennedy. Uh, I'm a Phoenix player, uh, almost exclusively. Um, I do play Dragon and Spider occasionally, but in tournaments I play Phoenix. Uh, I have won one Kote. Uh, I've been playing since about Samurai Edition, so I don't have the uh, same history with this game as most of the other guys in the crew do. Um, and uh, when I'm not playing L5R, uh, I play board games and Netrunner and other card games. Uh, and you can find me on the forums at my name there is Kevin. Or Kevin goes on the AG forums. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, also here with me today is Jay Earl. Jay. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Jay Earl. I've been playing since slightly before Gold Edition. Uh, I, I used to play Rattlings, but then AG decided Rattlings were much too cool for this game, so they got rid of them. So I've been playing Phoenix since. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the crazy guy. I, I play Enlightenment. I play Honor. I play whatever is silly. Um, I don't really pay much attention to the forums, so I'm not going to bother giving my username there because I don't even remember what it is right now. Um, I think it's a solid Steve. That sounds right. I, I like that one. Um, I, I also like playing Netrunner and Doomtown and various other games that have been dead for decades. Thanks, Jay. Also here with me again is Trevor Valentine. Hey, Trevor. Hi, I'm uh, Trevor, obviously. If that was not apparent. I play Manus most of the time. Sometimes I play Crane when I get bored. Uh, I'm on the forums as Valentine, and I'm an incredibly boring person. <laughs> sure. Uh, because people were asked, Trevor has three Cote wins to his name as well. Like I said earlier, I'm Chris Stevenson. I exclusively play Dragon at tournaments, although I keep decks together and play them for other clans as well. I have a couple of Kote wins to my name. I've been playing on and off since since Emerald. I kind of took Jade Edition off. Now, later in today's episode, we'll be talking about the just-concluded Kote season and the Harbinger environment. But first, we have for you another two previews from the upcoming free set, uh, the Imperial Gift Part 3. That set is currently in the 30-day countdown on the AEG website, so we expect that to be released in in July or, or August. The first card that we have for you today is called Ominous Battlefield. It is a strategy, zero gold cost, two focus value, terrain. Battle. Before this battle's resolution, you may target and bow a non-human or cavalry card at the current battlefield. What do you think, Trevor? I think this card is not going to see play. I've been wrong before. I doubt I'm wrong this time. Uh, it, it's two focus value, so even if you're trying to play a defensive deck, it's probably not going to make the cut. And it, just battle somebody. If you don't have to do that already, you're probably playing the game a little wrong. Yeah, it's uh, an, another uh, Chris Hayes' phrase, but it's, it's a coaster of the week. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's not a very good action. It's 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 delayed, uh, which might have a benefit to it in some in some some cases. But I, I think it's it's a really really niche card, and it's going to be hard to get good use out of it in a deck. There are benefits to. A delayed bow. There are drawbacks as well. Obviously, the personality can continue to perform actions in the meantime, but they, they don't get the yeah. They, they they won't final. They don't get the opportunity to. They'll but with battle actions to straighten. Yeah, they, they they can't use battle actions to straighten. You get the last word, but it's just very narrow. Most battles don't. Your your opponent doesn't have a non-human or a cavalry card. It's a terrain, so it's subject to terrain destruction and. Uh, your opponent having a terrain, and I mean, we already have a a terrain out there. Was it extended maneuvers that yeah, does something very similar to this card? A delayed bow and can be a delayed straighten for you, and that 
that mostly is, I mean, you're going to have a non-samurai on the other side of the battlefield more often than you're going to have a non-human or a cavalry, or a cavalry there. The biggest problem I see, again, is they'll, it, you lose tempo immediately because it doesn't do anything when you play it. it that is incredibly restrictive. Yeah, I mean, most of the non-humans are non-samurai, so that half of it, you're right, the other terrain takes care of anyway. Uh, the one good thing I can say about it is there are a lot more cavalry cards in the environment. I mean, Dragon's got some good cavalry personalities now. Uh, Phoenix has had some good cavalry personalities for a while. Lion's got some good cavalry personalities, too. Um, so those are our considerations. But um, in the overall view, I think it's going to be a dead card in a lot of matchups, and that's the reason why it's not going to get played. Yeah, I, I guess another advantage to the delayed... Is that you can? There's a lot of force pumps around, and this would let you wait and choose what the best target is at the the time before you choose resolution. But yeah, I don't. Maybe maybe if you could play this as presenceless against cavalry, it would do yeah, something. But but without that, I don't I don't think it's gonna make it in anybody's deck. The other card that we have for you today is a follower called Ambitious Merchant. Uh, one gold cost, no honor requirement, no force, no chi. Three focus value, merchant unique, and has one ability reaction. When paying a gold cost, destroy your target holding. Produce three gold. I think this one has has more potential. This has a lot more potential, and I can see that of uh, military decks that have a expensive battle face like Mantis. It it doesn't do anything on its own, but it enables you to do do more things overall. And at the very worst, it's very cheap protection for your biggest unit. Well, I mean, it, it, it produces gold. Yeah. Any fate card that produces gold always has some it's potential. A, it's an interesting card just because it's a fate card that produces gold. Um, I think that it's going to be kind of a mid-game tempo boost for some of the, the heavy attachment decks, uh, like some of the ones that are running the big followers, like Heavy Elite and uh, Iron Gauntlet Brotherhood and things like that. You, because the main, main thing that's interesting to me about it is because you can blow about holding. That's the important part. you got the you know, you've got your... Uh, you know, famous bazaar or whatever you've already used to pay for something about it or you're, you're paying a cost and you bow it and then you destroy it to produce the extra three gold um, so uh, it's a little bit of a tempo boost in some cases but it's still a little bit on the edge for me um, I'm not sure if it's fast enough to be useful and the fact that it's unique makes it really really unreliable well, yeah you certainly can't build a deck around the possibility of, of using ambitious versions but what do you I mean what do you want to, to maximize this it costs one so you want a way to produce one and, you know if you if you're bowing a two gold producing holding to then then blowing to, to pay for this guy you're only generating one that makes it a really lousy one koku so a barley farm is probably the most played card that produces one but forward camp from from death at Coton seems made for this card. If if that if, if frontline camp ever or forward camp ever got got played, it only costs one, so it's good to blow up, and it produces one, so you're very efficiently buying the the ambitious merchant. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I agree with Trevor that it's going to go into something like the Manus followers or something where you get into the battle. And then you suddenly realize, oh, I could really do with some more gold for another follower or uh, root, uh, um, ruthless advance. Thank you. I'm blanking on that name. Or just some other card that's expensive. You didn't want to have to play it, but suddenly your opponent has done something on the board that you need this card now. Suddenly you can afford it. I can also see it getting played out of the, the Lion Big Follower deck. Yeah. To, to speed up their gold a little bit because that's one thing a lot of line players like to complain about is how they don't have enough gold off their stronghold. Well, and, and line is in kind of inherently an aggressive, tempo-focused sort of deck, and this this is about accelerating and maintaining that yeah. the tempo advantage. Plus, it if you've got a spare gold, as as Trevor mentioned, it's always an attachment to to throw on your guy, so it's. And that, that's important for a lot of effects, so it's probably not going to be completely dead. You're, you might be okay just taking a couple of extra gold this turn, dropping on a guy, using it to swing with him, and then next turn you can you know go off with some expensive attachments uh, right. I mean, during the battle. It's one gold for a follower for both protection from range attacks and also peasant vengeance and the new peasant vengeance. You can also play this guy for free with Senseki Province if you're running that region. 
which which is a good point. All right, uh, that was Ominous Battlefield and Ambitious Merchant. Those cards are from the upcoming Imperial Gift 3, Part 3 expansion. That is a free expansion that will be coming to you this summer from AEG. That's the end of this segment. Up next is the News Desk. This is the Strange Assembly News Desk for June 27th, 2010. From the promo legality list released on the Legend of the Five Rings website, it has been learned that the next L5R CCG expansion will be titled Empire at War. The Legend of the Five Rings 4th Edition Free RPG Day module is now available on the Alderac website as a free PDF download. In the Mega Game, it has been announced that the July Mega Game Community Contest for Honor Points will be photographs sent in to AEG. Details have also been announced about the Empire's Glory Koku Drive, which will award points for the most overall Koku sent in by clans through the end of the year, and the largest donations within a single month by a clan. Details on both of those contests are available on L5R.com. Strange Assembly is also proud to announce that Solving the Riddle will be returning in the fall of 2010 with story involvement from AEG. Thank you very much to AEG for making that possible. There have been two fictions recently. The first, State of the Empire, Week 15, and the second, the last one by Nancy Sauer, published June 21, 2010. In the last one, we see Kudenhita standing alone, an island of territory bypassed by the destroyers as they advance through crab lands. But all things must come to an end. Over the course of 18 days, the crab forces at Kudenhita, including Hita Shimanai, Hita Tatsuma, Hira Rokorota, Kaio Kyoko, and Torataka Akabi, fought against zombies catapulted over the fortress walls, the resulting plague, two of Kalima's great Oni siege engines, and an endless field of destroyers. On the 26th day of the month of the serpent, in the year 1172, Kuden was overwhelmed. The Empire's greatest fortress had fallen. There were no known survivors. We've had two weekends worth of Kote since our last episode. The Chicago Kote was won by Jeremy Nagorny with Dragon, who donated the points to the Scorpion. The Food Drive side event at that was won by Giovanni Avile for the Crane, who donated the points to the Empire. Also scoring points for their participation in the charity contest were Jonathan Roden of the Dragon, Stephanie Dane of the Spider, and Eric Horns of the Unicorn. The Nuremberg Cote was won by Yusarian Deichel with the Crane, who donated the points to the Empire. The theme deck contest at that Cote was won by Julianne Mitosh with Phoenix, who kept the points. The Orem Cote was won by Case Kayanaga with Lion, who donated the points to the Empire. The side event was won by Dennis Dreischmeyer with Mantis, who kept the points. The Budapest Kote was won by Balaz Majlath with Phoenix, who kept the points. And the theme deck contest at that Kote was won by David Becke with Dragon, who also kept the points. Finally, the Thunder Bay Kote was won by Nick Jones with Dragon, who donated the points to the Crab. And the theme deck was won by Dane Simpson with Mantis, who kept the points. As always, feel free to email us at strangeassembly at gmail.com or come on our forums at strangeassembly.com to let us know if we've mispronounced your name, and we'll correct it in a, a later podcast. In the Mega Game standings, for Glory, Dragon are in solid victory. Crab, Phoenix, Unicorn, Mantis, and Lion have all achieved a costly victory so far. However, the Crane, the Empire, and the Spider are failing, and the Scorpion are currently in total failure. In the honor category, the Empire, the Unicorn, the Dragon, the Mantis, and the Phoenix are all in costly victory. The Crane, the Crab, the Spider, and the Scorpion are all failing, and the Lion are in total failure. For the Glory Donation Contest, the Lion are leading by four points over the Dragon, with Crab in third. In the honor competition, Crane are leading the Spider by 13 points. Finally, in the Spider Clans contest between the Empire and Jakoku to determine whether or not the Spider will become a great clan, the Empire has 74 points and Jakoku has 20. I'm going to throw it to Kevin now, who has a, a strange assembly op-ed for this week. 
Okay, I wanted to give some advice to the new players out there who are who are just starting out with L5R, and uh, I'm going to try to do this more often uh, if people enjoy it. But the advice I wanted to give was: don't play a deck you hate. Okay, don't go to just because the deck is doing well at Cotes and it's you know really really highly competitive. Don't go in there and, and you know spend eight hours at a Cote playing a deck that you absolutely loathe playing. Um, and back this up with a little personal story of mine. Uh, last year, um, I won my first Cote, and I went to five Cotes overall. And my first two Cotes, I played Phoenix Blitz. My third Cote, I played Phoenix Honor. My fourth Cote, I played a, a really, really janky Phoenix Enlightenment deck that some other Phoenix player had, had played with. And I didn't win any of those Cotes. And those were all other people's decks. Um, and I had this, this this weird little Elemental Masters military deck that I had just like the toy with um, and I played it at the side tournament of my last Cote and I did really really well with it. my friend was like you should really play that you should really have played that at this Cote uh, so I decided to go to one more Cote and I played that deck and that deck I, I really really loved playing and I won with it um, and part of the reason why I won with that because it was my deck it was a deck that I, I knew how all the little tricks to it. I enjoyed playing with it. And that's the first reason why you should play a deck that you enjoy playing. Is because when you play a deck that you enjoy pl- playing, you're going to get to know it better. You're going to get practice more with it. You're going to be able you're going to be a better player when you're playing that deck. You're not going to want to practice with a deck that you hate playing, especially if you're a new player. Now, if you're a higher level player, you perfectly welcome to ignore my advice. Both Trevor and Chris are looking away from me at this point. Um, but when you're starting out, play a deck that you like to play and focus on building your play skills. The second reason why you don't want to play a deck that you hate when you're a new player is because everybody knows that deck you hate. Everybody knows how to play LSC. Everybody knows what it's going to do. And it's not going to make you win that much more often when you're, you hate playing it. The last and final reason why you want to stick to playing a deck that you like is because when you stick to a deck that you like, people don't expect it. They're not metting against it. And that was one of the strengths of my weird Elemental Master Military deck is nobody expected a deck like that, particularly out of Phoenix at that particular time. Um, you're more likely to, to catch people off guard, and which will win you more games when you're first starting out. So... I hope this helps. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. That's the Strange Assembly News Desk for June 27th, 2010. See you next for our final segment. As we sit here today, Cote season just wrapped up. The Budapest Cote was the last one, so we now know what happened in every single Cote. We know what happened every single storyline tournament that Harbinger was legal for. So this seems to be a, a good time to to sit down and, before we go into the Plague War environment, look back at the Harbinger environment to see how the clan stood before that and, and what decks were, were doing well. So to start with, let's look at, at some of the actual numbers. Uh, first, the, just the Cotes that the different clans won. Dragon 113, Lion 10, Crab 8, Spider 7, Phoenix, Phoenix 6, Mantis 5, Crane 4, Unicorn 4, and Scorpion 0. Uh, so I think that is a number that people like to hear a lot is the number of Kote wins, but uh, those of you who, who read my posts on, on the AEG forums know that there are, are other numbers that I think are a more reliable indicator of 
of how well a clan was doing overall. Just looking at at Cote's one tells you who's getting storyline prizes, but it also is is very random. Once you get into the elimination rounds, you have a lot of of one and outs, especially when you're looking at wins. There are a decent number of Cote that are determined on concession based on whether or not somebody, one of the players, can actually go to Gen Con and use the qualification or go to to Euro Champs and use the the qualification. So there's a number that that I keep track of that I call the the making the cut percentage, which is is basically just what percentage of people showed up at tournaments with decks of a particular clan and then then made the cut. So if yeah. If a hundred people showed up playing crab at over a series of tournaments and ten of them made the cut, then their percentage would be ten. And you wanted to say something, Kevin? Uh, the making the cut percentage is a lot better of an indication because it because it shows how people are doing against the entire field, which is the rest of the game. Whereas top four, whoever wins, is usually based off of like the matchups in the in that particular top four. Um, like for example, I think we were talking earlier about the the cote, which. Uh, Reese went undefeated into in, in the the Swiss and then dropped. And there was a Scorpion player, and that Scorpion player probably would have actually won that Cote if he had not gone up against a TST dueling military deck that was running enough talk. And that that TST military deck just had like a perfect game against it because it was the nature of the beast. He was doing really really well against every other deck in the field, and that that particular deck was just his, his Achilles heel. So. I think the, uh, the, you know, the making the cut numbers are really important. Okay, well, uh, I guess let's let's run down briefly what those were. These these figures incorporate all of the Kote except for the South Sioux City Kote. Those numbers are not included because uh, I think due to some computer error, the TO wasn't able to get the complete uh, the complete clan breakdown. So that particular data would would be skewed, but. If, if we go by this this making the cut percentage, which includes the whole Kote season, so before and after various errata, and we'll talk about the effect of that later. Uh, Lion was at 22.5%, Dragon a little over 19 Crab a little over 18 Mantis was at, at 16%. Uh, you then had Spider and Phoenix and Crane and Unicorn in, in something of a clump from 127 for Spider down to 11.9 for for Unicorn, and then Scorpion again behind at at about seven percent. So that that follows the the wins to some extent. I mean, the top three clans in make the cut percentage are are also the top three clans in wins, but it's it's not exactly the same. So, I mean, what do you guys think about about that? I mean, how? How well do you think those reflect the what the I guess actual ideal deck strengths were for the different clans this season? Well, uh, again, the top eight is always incredibly random. Uh, if you get there enough, you know sometimes you just have an old mashup. There's nothing you can actually do. Your deck can die and you randomly, or you get gold screwed. Yeah, or I gold mean, flooded, or it, things happen. So, the, or the Trevor act- does or doesn't get followers with his Mantis deck. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or Buckethead shows yeah, up. Yeah. Or, or your opponent sees their Imperial census and all of your, your boxable cavalry dudes bow. And Again, these are abnormalities. So the, the overall field of making the cut is the stronger gauge of what decks actually work. It also shows what people are playing, which I like the most. You, you can see how people are this year gravitating a lot more towards, obviously, Lion and Dragon. But they're still making the cut with increasing percentage, even though... Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's something. The making cut percentage is... It, it, it normalizes for the, the number of players. So obviously, Lion and Dragon had, well, maybe not obviously, but Lion and Dragon had a lot of people show up and play those, but even compared to the number of people, a disproportionate number. The actual, the most populous clan at Cote this year was, was Spider. There were, uh, obviously, this includes the same person going to Cote, you know, to different Cote, but there were, in this data, there were 3,249 different players, and, uh, and Spider was, was 441, uh, followed by Dragon and, and Lion. Uh, the uh, Phoenix is actually the next most populous, which was a bit surprising because Phoenix usually has Phoenix a relatively right low now. turnout. Phoenix is it's fun to play. But one of the things I, 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 I 
that I think I don't think our re listeners can see here is that on Chris's list, he's also got the percent of the field for each clan. And I think one of the good indications of whether or not a, a deck is good is is how how it compares how its win percentage is it make the cut percentage it compares to its actual percentage of the player base. Um, and if you look at like uh, crab and unicorn, for example, uh, crab and unicorn. Uh, well, crab is always popular, but unicorn wasn't as as popular as it has been. Um, but they both have a much higher uh, making the cut percentages than their actual percent of field percentages, particularly Unicorn. Unicorn had about 8.77% of the field, and they, about 11.93% of them made the cut. So the Unicorn decks are actually probably better than people actually expect them to be. Well, that Unicorn are still... I mean, they're they're the bottom of that that clump near the end there. So they're the the second lowest. And I, I don't, you're not going to have bandwagoning to unicorn. I mean, no, if you have no. it, and unicorn has, it, we, it seems a low installed player base. They have lower target numbers than anybody else in the the mega game this this year. I didn't realize that they were that much smaller, or at least AEG's estimate of them was that much smaller until. Until this, but I mean, as far as the Cote season goes, both it, second in wins and first in the make the cut percentage was was Lion, and I, I think you guys agree with me. Let me know, but I mean, Lion was definitely the strongest clan at this Cote season. Yeah, yeah. I have to say no, but I have an incredible game for Lion. They well, just fall apart, but they, they are pretty strong against most of the field. You can't really deny that, especially with the numbers. And uh, Central Castle is. Is a really good stronghold. Yeah, so, and, and that was the errata. Yeah, even after the the nerf of Central Castle, Lions Lions numbers definitely went down after that that point in time. I think uh, by several, I mean, several percentage points, but they still did the best best job of putting in. And that's and some of that's decks continued to be in Central Castle. Some of that is is running decks out of out of venerable planes of the Akoma instead, especially the followers. And that was I think when you look at Lion. The the one common factor between all of their decks is just the amazing personalities. You had naked lion decks that won Kote. You had heavy follower lion decks that won Kote. You had decks out of Unique. different strongholds prior, you know, pre errata, post errata. But through all of it, just these really amazing personalities that that at, at before you add in Plague War, the Blitz meta doesn't really hit. I mean, you know, this is something that people have commented on since last fall when. Phoenix and Crane and and Goblins all got hit with Errata or MRPs to to fix their personalities and their Blitz deck and everybody and, and not everybody but a lot of people looked at at Lion and said Wow you you didn't touch Lion I mean this was this was one of the best decks out there and it's fast and none of, and the meta doesn't hit it because its, it's guys aren't actually boxable it, right? it, Lion's also not a true Blitz deck it, it's not swinging on turn two. With I guess that, that that's a good point. Yeah, it, nobody it goes first. It's, it's always it there matters. are people who are playing Blitz out of Lion. I don't know how well they did at Cote's. I think most of the the, the Cote winners for Lion were, were the kind of standard naked Lion build or the Lion big follower build. Um, but there are some players who do Blitz with Lion. And, and they do the, 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 blitz. the reason I don't think Blitz is very prominent also was uh, last step or yeah the Dragon deck it stops Blitz and it's yeah. drags. Yeah, I mean you a lot of times turn one with nine province strength. Good luck. Now, a lot of times, turn one lion blitzes, I buy Shinori, I attack on turn two and tack. And charge. And, and charge, and does that break your pro? You know, do you yeah. have any presenceless defense at, at all? Uh, but I think, it, yeah, you, you did see changes in, in line. Determined Force showed up more in lion once everybody realized that LSC was good, and that, that could help that sort of thing. But still, I don't think, I, I don't remember seeing any. That doesn't mean there weren't any, but I don't remember seeing a lot of decks in top of Kote that were based around blitzing. It's no. just more of a, well, you know, if I'm playing line and I'm blitzing, it's probably because I, I border keeped a couple of times yeah. and I still like it. still only got by one guy, so I'm buying Shinori and a holding. I just didn't see a second holding. It, it's the anomaly. It's just like the uh, Udomaro blitz. It's not intentional, but <laughs> if it shows up, you got to take it. Yeah. Um, so, or the, uh, or the, the Shiba Ningen blitz, which is also hilarious. I hate that guy. 
<laughs> so second in in the making cut percentage and first in the number of Kote wins was Dragon. I think everybody knows that Dragon's workhorse deck this season was Last Step Castle. It definitely got a lot of a lot of bandwagoning and it got a lot of help, especially at the beginning of the season because much like people are doing now about the post-Plague War environment, I, I think that at the beginning of Harbinger, after Crane Honor Rocket got nerfed, a lot of people thought that Honor was dead, that nobody was going to play Honor, and at the beginning of the Kote season, you saw a slew of Dragon wins where nobody had any Honor meta in their decks whatsoever. And Yeah, I think when uh, Determined Force came out, like a lot of like dragon players I know were like, "Oh, this is just ruins LSC. It makes it so that our whole whole, whole box bonus just goes away. We can't play this deck." And then and then and the, and other people were like, "Yeah, nobody's going to play LSC, so I'm not going to run Determined Force." And then somebody's like, "I'm going to play LSC," and 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 dragon players learned that the, the LSC deck can survive Determined Force. I mean, it doesn't show up even if it's in the deck. It doesn't show up all the time. Um, so they they realized that even though determined force was in the environment, it didn't actually ruin honor. Just like you know, uh, proper deference and only action speak probably won't actually ruin honor this set either. Yeah, and that's something I had. Last Step Castle had more resiliency to meta than I thought it was. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think it had more resiliency, and maybe people still weren't metaing enough, weren't going past. I'm running Dark War of Dark Fire and New Order and New Order. But I, I was expecting LSC to tail off more, and I guess it as the season went on. I guess it, I mean, it tailed off relative to the first two weeks where it won like four of the six coats. Yeah, it was the dark horse. I didn't expect honor. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be consistent, such a consistent performer. This this cote, I figured after the first couple cotes, people would start meditating against it and start playing against it. And that obviously didn't happen as much as I thought. Yeah, and, and I think that's that was one of the help. One of the helps that Lion has is Lion always is nice to go first against Honor. And while it wasn't as good against Last Step Castle as it sometimes is against Honor decks, because LSC plays with a lot of cards that gain you Honor based on the other guy's personal Honor. So you you have a lot of uh, uh, you know courtesies for four off of uh, and, and friendly Traveler Yeah, Matthew. Yeah, friendly Traveler So you had, you had possibly three cards that that LSE could play that gained off of, of, of Lion, but Lion also had the most ability to meta. I mean, Lion, Central Castle could just throw in Unfortunate if it wanted and then cycle it away yeah, as a box. for the German forces uh, in the deck with yeah, the card draw yeah. it has. Yeah, but, and, and I think that was the more the big thing, is that you had Lion decks at the start of the season who were just not playing with Determined Force, and I think a few weeks in, once everybody realized that Last Step Castle was a real threat, now every Lion deck has at least two maybe three determined force in it and every every deck had uh, all the you know, War of Dark Fire and a new warder. I mean I know in my last half castle decks I just started running for warning because it, it, it can be rough if you, you get hit with a new order. But Dragon also had had monks, yeah. monks won Kote, monks put people in top eight, so Monks won a couple of Kotes. Uh, so 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 Dragon was not entirely a, a one trip pony. I don't I don't think Kensei, Kensei didn't went really much of anywhere. There was in Lafayette early on there was early, a, a, a it, top it four. It was the, the Kensei deck that doesn't run any Kensei actions, I believe. Uh, there the two two yard jutsus maybe and that that was it, but um, a decent base. Third uh, in the the making the cut rankings and I think and third in Kote wins and I think reasonably we could say third in deck deck in overall deck strength is crab. I know that that people have opined that crab are bad with Kuan, and you don't win this many Kote. You don't put this many people into the cut with just, with bad with with Kuan. Just with Kuan. No, I, it's, it's not not just Kuan. Um, no, he's a secondary I, Kuan, Kuan yeah, is it's is like part unicorn of last year two years ago where oh, unicorn had a, an okay deck but it also had the turn well. Three. Yeah. Unicorn had, go- Unicorn had a Unicorn had a good deck, deck. Yeah. and then the champion that wins games with, with the auto win. Button. Right, Crab have that now. Crab have a, a an okay to good deck that Kuan is just stupid good. Well, and they had, and they had so and they also had several decks. You had Tatsuma Crab Blitz. Yeah, you had Tatsuma Blitz going on. You've got General Crab Hero stuff. Crab Scouts won multiple Kote. Mm-hmm. I don't think a dedicated Berserker deck no. won anything, and I don't think dedicated commanders did anything out of Crab or, or otherwise. But you've got 
you've got two of their themes making solid decks in and of themselves, and, and then solid uh, generic stronghold that works at all their decks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody's castle is awesome. Um, no doubt. It, it, great, great. It's great against bow. Great against defending against other military decks. And crab are incredibly resilient. They don't die. Mm-hmm. You can yes. fling whatever you want at them. When also, also, Crab was one of the ones that was really good with the Ronin setup, the the United deck that several clans were playing. Yeah, I Crab think they, was one they of the actually ones. had a couple of United deck wins. Yeah, yeah. When that and various United light setups got played out of Crab, Unicorn, Phoenix. Yeah, those were the three most with, common because yeah. they had boxes that did something helpful to the deck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up is was Mantis. Mantis was. Fourth in making the cut percentage and was fifth in in overall number of wins and least in number played. Yeah, they 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 have a very small percentage of the field and, and they did really really well in making. Yeah, the cut. yeah. They. Uh, I mean, I, I think Mantis. I guess I guess Crab was the first one in that uh, as far as clans that don't get any respect for their 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 deck strength. Crab, like I mentioned, often gets dismissed entirely. People talk about the Come big on. three, including yeah. Spider, but but Mantis is another clan that I think that the deck strength of their deck doesn't get a, a lot of respect. I, you see a lot of talk about people talking about Mantis not being good or or being actively bad, and I think Mantis are, are pretty good right now. O- on the other hand, unlike Crab, I think that's all one deck. No, no, it's completely. We have one playable deck right now in Dragon Guard City. Our, our, our scouts are really, really poor right now, especially against Lion and Honor. I mean, Dragon Guard City is just so sexy for, for Mantis. Like, you, you deadly order your guy, and then you bring him back, and, and you still got the force from your last deadly order. It, it, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. It, its main strength this season was it had an incredible game versus both Lion and Dragon, and they were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Na- naval is always... Range, range, range attacks are good against Lion. Naval is really good against Honor. Yeah. Uh, especially something like Last Up Castle that half the time wants to defend with one guy, <laughs> take one action, and run away. Yeah. Uh, but they, yeah, followers are, are okay right now. And I mean, people play with some of these big, beefy followers just in random decks that have no particular synergy. And when it can't and, die, it's... Yeah, and Mantis, annoying. yeah, it gets to come back. It yeah. gets to... I have stuff actually that produces gold. considered playing Imperial Command as meta against Mantis in addition to the unique redirection. Just, like, get rid of that Taoist archer who keeps on coming back. It's so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also... I, not that it helps last up, but I, I mean... You know, Trevor's list, had to, to listen to this board, but Yoritomo's guidance is just really good. A lot of the, the the initial slate of guidances were were really really good, but but free province gain against another military deck is yeah. just amazing. I um, never defend if I can avoid it. I guess how you lose games. A lot of the games that I've played against Trevor, it's basically come down to whether or not Trevor Trevor sees his guidance. Because I'm playing Phoenix against Trevor's Mantis, and he'll go. I'll go first. And I'll take a province, and he'll take a province, and we'll start trading provinces. And suddenly, he's got an extra province, um, which is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a minute ago? Yeah. Yeah, but I think. Yeah, I think we'd agree. Yeah, scouts. Scouts has a good box. Needs some some help. Thunder. Thunder is almost there, but it, it could not beat a uh, dragon or line this year. Military, it has an incredible game for most things because the longer the battle goes on, the harder the deck is to deal with. It's got a lot of kill. It yeah. has an incredible amount of kill, but it doesn't have a lot of force. No, that's at, at the start, if the battle goes on longer, yeah, I have force. And that's because it's a Shigenji-based deck. Yes, and Shigenjis in general just don't have a lot of force. Yes. So let me ask you, Trevor. I mean, you Mantis is usually good against Lion, and your Dragon's City was good against Lion in part because of all the little ranged attacks and all the kill that you can use there, guys. The Thunder Shigenja have a lot of that stuff too. I mean, the box has a built-in range for. Why do you think that that the Thunder deck had a bad match against Lion? Uh, there's two reasons. One is I don't have the protection that followers grant me. My Shigenjas with spells can still be killed like anybody else. Yeah, spells are not good protection. No. And uh, I also have a seven problem strength with that box, not an eight, and that's everything in a military deck. And a lot of his Shigenjas don't have built-in abilities on them. They they they're they're just naval blank Shigenjas most of the time. And, and they don't get to do surprise tricks like the Phoenix. Yeah, before Plague War, I only yeah. got a. I had to play with blank Shigenjas. Now I have a deck without blank Shigenjas, which is incredibly more effective. <laughs> Who'd have thought? 
Okay, uh, I guess next on the list to talk about was, was Spider. Spider is a deck that I think has been, by people including myself, was, was overrated going into the season based on what the actual performance of the deck has been. Now, partially that was because they really did get hit by the nerf, the, the nerf on, on Kalima, that the, the errata on Wrath of Kalima seems to have had more of an effect on Spider winning deck because they, they lost this just instant I win button that a lot of their decks got to play with. That 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 nerf was so necessary. I, I don't think anyone argued the nerf wasn't necessary in that card, especially with people complaining so much about civility, and this is a mass civility. Yeah, I mean, any time you are able to, for sort of free, I mean, it, it costs a, a province, but at the time you're using it, that's basically not, yeah, it's usually not a cost. The rules of the game. Uh, yeah, you, you get to go through your deck, you get to find any three, four, whatever personalities you want, put them into play. Especially when uh, some of them are called Kotobu. <laughs> yeah, t- tutoring is good. Tutoring multiple cards at once. Even better. Into play. Yeah, yeah into play. I mean, yeah, and I mean, anything, not not only tutoring them up, but just breaking that inherent rule of you buy a personality on this turn, you don't get to attack with them until next turn. Like, like right. Trevor said, civility. Everybody likes, everybody's afraid of civility, and that's all that that card does is let you get a guy a turn. Or, and, and goblins are all online, so you're paying the full cost anyway. Might as well get them early. Yeah, but uh, so I think Breeder ended up being the, the mainstay for, for most of the. Uh, I, I saw. Only breeder. I saw straight breeder, and I saw paragons. I saw paragons occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, but I, even that's out of the breeder box, right? I, I think they had a, a breeder goblin hybrid also, and that was the strongest they had. Yeah. I think um, Spider definitely did not perform as well as most people expected this Cote season. Its 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 percent of field was like thirteen point five percent. Its percent of making the cuts like eleven point nine three. Um, but I think it, I think the the thing about Spider is the Spider's just scary. Like it, when, when Spider gets to build up a, f- a few turns, they have like hundreds and hundreds of people, and it, right. I mean, I think that's the thing it, is Spider. Sp- Spider is a slow build. If you give it time, it's gonna wreck your day. But the the field right now, or the field this Kote season was fast. It was Lion Dragon. Both are were fast decks. Well, I'd Spider Spider definitely could cause problems for LSC because LSC is a much slower deck against Spider. A lot of the same things sure. we were talking about that, that make Work it faster against Lion. Right. Saki Bomb. I'm like, did, did you buy Susumu? Okay, then you have nobody with personal honor. Yeah, yeah, honor. Courtesy, Work nothing. Shooter right? Shizo for one honor. <laughs> but and what, I guess something that else that I think about this is, is Spider... Is, is Spider's ability, you know, deck strength underrated by these numbers? One of the things I mentioned earlier was that Spider was the most populous player base at Kote this season, and, that, and and a huge, huge uptick from Samurai. from what they've had in in what they what they had from the numbers that I, I ran at Samurai Edition, and, and and definitely up from traditionally Shadowlands was one of the lowest player base factions, and and they did win. The, the fourth most Kote are, are the, the making the cut percentage numbers maybe diluted by story players showing up for Spider to try to win for their clan to get theme deck points or or bandwagoners who don't know how to play the deck that they're playing possibly bandwagoners are always a, a hard sort of, of thing to work into this you know there, there are always factors beyond the numbers that you can say well what's going to you know some people say oh this clan player base doesn't this clan's player base just isn't as good or you know some other clan had a better deck but they just weren't playing it they didn't discover it and so maybe their their numbers are depressed the, the bandwagoners I guess the effect that they have depends on who bandwagons? I guess if everybody band if if everybody bandwagons, it doesn't really matter. If if better players are more likely to bandwagon, then that should tend to skew decks that are better to make them look even better. So Dragon and Lion certainly Dragon and Lion got a lot of out of clan players. Did they get more good out of clan players or not? We we know that the good ones they got. You know when 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 Case wins a Cote with Lion, we know Case is a good player, but we don't know about or hear about. The, the scrub who who went you know one six drop with line because he, he wanted to play line because it was good but you yeah. know, he still just isn't a good enough player but to make was it good for him in his play style also. yeah and and we don't and we don't know and I don't I don't know but as far as play style goes I don't think spider would 
be any more likely to be harder to play when you switch to it. That's actually something that I think is is overstated in L5R is the difficulty of switching deck types, at least for the sorts of players who are likely to make the cut. I mean, if you are if you traditionally play one particular clan, you still play against other clans. A lot of of particularly competitive players build decks of other clans anyway. So I'm, I I don't know how much for the for players who are often going to be making the cut, how much it really detracts from them to to switch off. I mean, you know, Trevor, you always play Mantis. I, I mean, if if you had taken a a naked lion deck, I don't think I think you still would have made the cut. I I, I don't know how to play lion actually, so I'm not sure of that. I, I may have done well, but I don't know the ins and outs of the deck because I haven't played it incessantly. But. Well, I think there are two other reasons why Spider might have seen such an uptick in, in, in players. Is, well, one, Warner's Hall won Gen Con. Spider won Gen Con. And that, that was that was huge because nobody expected Spider to win Gen Con. <laughs> I, I did, just not with that deck. Um, and the other, other, other possible reason for Spider's uptick in, in players is the inclusion of Goblins and Onis into like, Spider's normal set of cards. And I know that like you know the Oni players weren't like a huge huge faction, but be able to to be the ability to incorporate Oni into Spider without losing that honor is kind of big, uh, it, 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 and it adds to kind of the fun of playing Spider. They're the bad guys. Where in like Samurai Edition, Spider was mostly about their 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 uh, dark virtues and paragons for a lot of people. Yeah, I guess in depth, I mean that's that's actually a good point as far as the numbers go. In Samurai, you could still just play Shadowlands, yes. and so Spider represented the I like evil, I like evil Samurai, I like Bloodspeakers, or whatever. But the Oni and Goblin players would still have been counted separately. That's actually a, a good point. On I had not thought of that. Before. That and zombies are cool. I, I think the numbers <laughs> this year is because they actually had a story purpose to show up to the Kote in huge but numbers. This is also true. Spider, spider base is, is really really motivated yeah, they, they definitely have more on the line yeah, if they want to keep on game, with then. their clan they should probably show up but okay uh, next on the list uh, I guess this would be 6th if we're, we're counting by make the cut percentage and also uh, about I think 5th for number of Kote wins is, is Phoenix and Phoenix I think a lot of Phoenix wins this was about Shugenjo Cavalry Blitz no, no, no. Phoenix is Phoenix is really good, actually. Phoenix is really solid. Uh, there are a bunch of different different Phoenix decks that that won Kote. There's a wide variety of Phoenix decks that won Kote. There was a TST dueling deck that won a Kote. There was a Shigenja COT honor deck that won a Kote. Um, there was a an Enlightenment deck I think that that won a Kote. Actually, yeah. Uh, there was a last one. I. I what the the deck the the deck that won the the Budapest Kote earlier today last was a, a last one deck. I know those those were playing at a that was actually that was last, at a City of Tears. Last one probably at a City of City Tears. Tears. Yeah. Um, but uh, both City City of Tears and TST have really really solid decks, and they're a lot of fun to play. Yeah, I, I had not realized that there had been a Phoenix Honor deck that had actually won. I haven't, I, I, have, I, I, haven't I haven't seen Shrine of Champions Shrine of hardly Champions at all this Kote season. Shrine of Champions has been pretty dead this Kote season, um, mostly because the whole Shrine of Champions Honor shtick has been force reduction, and and that doesn't really work. Um, I've been trying really, really hard to, to get a good Shrine of Champions deck. There's a Shrine of Champions Enlightenment deck that, that's pretty good, um, uh, but it hasn't really won... Cote so far. Well, and that was uh, something that we we had talked about before we we started recording today. Is how much did did Phoenix Honor and Crane Honor maybe get hit by the fact that the second best deck in the format was Less some other Honor deck that all of a sudden meant that everybody was playing Honor meta. Uh, I mean, did I mean do you think that chased Shrine of Champions players off, or would they have just been playing City of Tears anyway because well, it's a better? You deck? can't discount it. But they also have other options available to them that are also solid because they've won Cotes, obviously. So yeah, uh, I think it's just that the other options for Phoenix are are, are so much more fun to play than Shrine of Champions. Uh, Shrine of Champions is really kind of sit back on an uninteractive deck for the most part. Uh, do you know if any did TST decks that were not the multi clan civility dueling united sort of things? Do we did those? Dueling kept on going, but I, I know at least one non-multi-clan one. Yeah, yeah. There was there was at least one TST dueling deck that won Kote. 
that it was not the those yeah, not the Nazi friends. friends. Okay, not Nazi friends. Yeah, it's just like a straight dueling that kind of TST. Yeah, that was that was something I I I, I thought that was a relatively creative deck the first time I saw it, which was before the Cote season out of out of TST. It wreaked havoc on the uh, the honor deck trying to yeah, to yeah. duel. <laughs> Yeah, when your duels backfire, the game's pretty much so over. That's one of the, the strengths of the TST deck is that it, that it can duel the honor players. So like you impromptu, I accept. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think generally, a- any time a military deck is dueling decently, even if they're they're not as focused around dueling, but then you have you know some crane or dragon honor deck that's all about dueling, and and then you run into to issues. And I guess here's another one where I'll ask a question: Is you know, Phoenix. We're down in here at, at at number six or so in the rankings. But Phoenix is a clan that I have seen a lot of buzz about. Is Phoenix better than these numbers show? Were there were their decks better? Were there reasons that that Phoenix didn't do better than this? Um, well, our percent of field was like eleven point six seven percent, and our percent that made the cut was twelve point four. So, I mean, I think that shows that the Phoenix decks are are pretty good. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I'd note that you are. I mean, you sometimes talk about the percent of feel and percent of made the cut. Those aren't. There's no direct correlation relation between those. Uh, I mean, if it, I mean, because remember, I mean, the the percent made the cut is is adjusted. That, that's basically an adjusted number for what the the field was. So there isn't any reason to expect percent of the field to be higher or lower. I mean, you might expect a a better deck to have a higher percent of field because people are bandwagoning yeah, to yeah, it. But but other than that. Uh, um, but I, I think the uh, the Phoenix deck is a little bit better than, than most people give it credit for. Um, and I think the Phoenix deck scares people because uh, of COT, because we can attach spells in battle, and, and they're like, oh, that, that's just bullshit. I'm a stupid COT. It's broken. I hear this all the time. But uh, I think COT is what makes... Phoenix spell military playable. It's not really playable without that. And their honor deck too. And one, yeah. of my, one of my coaching losses was to City uh, Tears Honor. That was embarrassing. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Uh, so next up we have Crane. Uh, they won four Cote and about twelve percent of Crane players made the cut. And I'll just start off by saying that I, I think that Crane is probably is is. If it's not the most, it's certainly one of the most underrated decks. I mean, I see people talking all the time about how Crane is awful, how Crane is as bad as as Scorpion is, which when we get to, I mean, their numbers are are much, much worse that they have no playable decks. And I just don't think that's the case. I, I think that clearly Crane are not setting the world, have not been setting the world on fire or anything, but they're in the same pack with Crane and Spider and Unicorn as far as performance goes. They've won Cote with several different sort of, of honor builds with, with more scout focus without dueling, stuff with dueling. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, uh, this season they had an incredibly solid generic box in Shirota Doji. It, it gains honor and kills in one action. And when a good chunk of the field is military, that can't be overlooked. Uh, Crane's the, the clan I played the second most, and I have uh, good luck with it and just straight honor and switching, so... It's a very solid deck. It's harder to play than it's most people can probably pick up because it's very subtle and when to attack, when to defend. But if you play it enough, you get used to it. Yeah, I I think the crane deck is really underrated. I think it's just really kind of difficult to play. But once you once you get the learning curve of it, it it's 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 actually a pretty good deck. You just have to know when to defend, when not to defend, when to attack, when not to attack. When with, with the crane scouts, it's not just when to defend, but when to prep your defense because you gotta do it in the open and yeah. also which province to prep your defense for and well and, and Crane actually has different kinds of defense too I mean if you're playing Last Death Castle you're except maybe at the last battle your only defense is I send one guy or maybe two and then I take one action and then I do some presence list whereas Crane scouts can actually really defend but you have to know when to do that you commit to a defense and then you lose all of your guys on the board you're you're in trouble but you also don't want to be just sending one guy out there getting sneaked and losing it when you could have wreaked more havoc they also have uh, Murata which is the reusable uh, recon that yeah that's, that's, that's that, actually that, that helps yeah. it immensely <laughs> um, but that's, that's one of the main problems with playing L5R 
one of the most difficult things to learn is when to defend and when to attack, and, and that's one of the things that people always struggle with in this game. And when you have a deck that's as sensitive as Crane is against it, you have to be really good to play it. Yeah. Well, and I know, I, I guess I, I think we should take a time to mention now, although this is a, a segment about what we've, we've been doing with, with Kote, I think Crane has gotten the most discussion about their strength going forward from here. And, and so I think it, 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 it's worth noting that, again, we are going into Plague War in an environment where people are saying honor is dead. And we did the same thing when we went into the Harbinger environment, and there actually turned out to be a very, very good honor deck once the the tournaments got going and and while certainly I, I don't think Plague War is, is going to put Crane in a position where they're one of the good decks uh, again I think that it, it, Crane is at a higher baseline than a lot of people think they are before Plague War hits. If you're not betting actively against honor it will take you by storm Yeah. I, I have explosive it, turns where I gained over 20 honor Yeah. But uh, next... Uh, unicorn, and uh, unicorn uh, also won for Cote. They had the the lowest make you know percentage of putting people into the cut other than Scorpion. But again, in that that same general you know all within one percent of each other band with with Phoenix and Crane and and Spider. Uh, certainly the I think the unicorn deck that's gotten the most talk is. Tatsumoblitz <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, did was that the? Do you think that was no, the? I don't think the, that was the, the deck that they had. Unicorn deck this season. I, I mean, most of the unicorn decks that I've seen have been running out of Utaku planes, um, and I've seen some pretty good stuff that involves like you know the battle maidens and and uh, getting good use out of desperate rush essentially. Um, See, I, I feel the commanders. Is their strongest deck? Just people don't play it because it hasn't been played, so they haven't seen how it goes. They don't know what to put in the deck. I was telling our local unicorn John to play commanders all season, and then he finally built it after the season was over with it. Just one or two new cards, and he's been doing very well with it. They've had most of the cards there; they just didn't play them. I think. Is he playing it out of Utaki Plains or Field of Wind? Field of the Wind. Yeah. And when I looked at Field of Winds, I always thought that was that would be a good stronghold in theory because it's you know it's got a sent home action on it. And you can you cav officer or uh, Utaku Meadow is a, a cheap follower onto somebody and, and get good use out of it. Well, in the follower builds, there's also the, the holdings that ready followers, mm-hmm. so you can send them home ready your follower anyway. Yeah, but they and I think prior to Harbinger, I think Field of the Winds had gotten the most talk as as the good unicorn deck, not yeah. necessarily commanders, but just followers, I mean, because I know we're, we're still kind of short on on solid commander actions. I think a lot of times it's like, okay, I can put in deadly orders or hold, right. and that's, Those that's all I do, but that, you need. That, it, it, that seemed to, the talk about that seemed to go away after Harbinger came out and, and the season started progressing. Uh, I guess something that is also worth noting about Unicorn is that this was a deck that I think got really hit by a bad matchup. Uh, especially Battle Maidens, which uh, I think, as you noted, you thought that you guys thought was the most played deck. So, uh, last is, step. is awful against Last Step yeah, Castle. Yeah. I, you, oh yeah, it, you've, you've I distinctly remember watching uh, one of the uh, judging one of the uh, final matchups at, at Orlando, and the poor guy was playing Battle Maidens against Alice. He had Tamago out, and. Uh, Guy attaches a friendly sovereign traveler socket to Tamago, gains five honor. You know, stolen properties at back gains another five honor. It was uh, and the guy, the guy was the guy playing unicorns. just like throws his hands up in the air. It's like that, uh, that's game. I, I good game that they end it. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a conflict of the high personal honor really letting the last step castle deck gain a lot off of some of those actions, and then the fact that. It, it, it gives itself a high profit strength and does other presenceless things because Unicorn never likes that. No. I mean, any just presenceless actions usually can be a, a good help against Unicorn in some generic environment because a lot of what they do is designed about taking presenceless provinces. And Last Up Castle was a deck that liked to do a lot of, of presenceless things. Yeah, I was really kind of surprised not to see more Field of the Wind decks with, with followers and commanders. Because they they have like such great onomata. I mean, like having a follower on your personality prevents them from being settling the homeless, which is you know bane of their existence as far as 
Calvary is concerned, or you know, having a hold to prevent um, reinforce the gates, or height of courage to prevent reinforce the gates, both of which fit naturally into that deck. Um, so, if hold or height of courage stop reinforce the gates, I'd be a happy, happy man. But <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. No. Well, maybe. Sorry, I'm thinking about the battle. I'm talking about the movement. It stops the movement. That's what Unicorn cares about. They don't want to be opposed those first couple battles. (laughs) Or or if they want to be, they they can. Uh, But, no. Um, And then, last, and uh, unfortunately for the Scorpion, definitely leads to this Kote season. Or or the Scorpion, they they didn't win any Kote. They, They did not put very many people... In, in in the cut, their their percentage of putting people in the cut was was really bad, and and it came at a bad time for the Phoenix players when we're in this me, this mega game where all of these a lot of these targets are, are based on your your clan player base size and how many people who have been showing up at Kote. They're the only clan that has I think they're the only clan that has missed attendance targets to get the resource points in the map game that's going on. Uh, now I, I know that I, I think there's a certain amount of room to argue that Scorpion aren't as bad as they look, but I I I, I think the performance doesn't lie. Scorpion are, are they're just not good. They were not good this Kote season. No, they didn't have a, a lot of options either, and especially with their Dishonor deck, they have to go against Less Step and Lion, which are pretty resilient to Dishonor. Um. Yeah, I, I think part of it... There's a lot of reasons we could speculate about why Scorpion performed the way it did. Um, and I think part of it is it, there's been kind of a design shift it's in terms of how, how Scorpion's supposed to play. And a lot of the Scorpion players did not take to that well, which I, I can completely understand if you're used to playing one particular deck type and the support for that particular deck type isn't there anymore. Um, it can be kind of hard to relearn how to how to how to play, um, particularly when it involves you know having to attack. Attacking is difficult. Um, uh, so I think Scorpion has had some good decks, but there have also been difficult decks to play as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and have they gone anywhere with attacking and magistrates? I mean, when I look at the Scorpion decks that are are doing decently. Uh, and, and doing Dishonor, they seem to always be out of Palace, Palace of Crimson Shadows, yeah. which is more back towards that, I'm playing with a bunch of courtiers, I'm sitting at home, I'm bowing my guys to Dishonor you and, and do things. Well, then there's the whole Passive Dishonor or Active Dishonor, mostly playing Passive Dishonor, a lot of presentless defense and uh, no battle actions at all in their deck. Yeah, and uh, you know, decks like Phoenix or Mantis eat decks like that alive. Because... Uh, I will all go and happily take their provinces, especially Phoenix. Phoenix is a really, really bad matchup for, for passive Scorpion Dishonor, ironically enough, just because the Phoenix decks are really fast, and they can gain an, enough honor per turn to keep them above water. Well, and I would think that particularly the the Shugenja, the Cavalry Shugenja decks, I mean, Dishonor decks traditionally they Beach do Dishonor. not take well to... Getting having their provinces sleezed early on, they they I mean the that's you know the, those early attacks where they can maybe fend you off and cause you some honor loss and dishonor some guys. All of a sudden, those are gone. They get down to two provinces, and now they only get you know two battle phases maybe where you you've got these crushing armies that they know they're going to lose the province anyway. Yeah, to getting hit, and they they lose those against. And then, and then the other aspect of the, the the Phoenix Scorpion matchup is the redirection, you know. Scorpion's all about control and you know they try to control one guy you know, they do their dramatic assassination in Morocco and you final sacrifice it to you know Takashi Pud don't, don't be those, Ningen's baby yeah Ningen's or, or, baby or, or, or Ningen's, please kill my Ningen's, Ningen's bastard child uh, who will just come back next turn anyways uh, that, that really takes the wind out of their sails it makes it much much harder for them to play that game I think you wanted to say something Jay? oh I mean also, also in that matchup you've got the uh, Phoenix have a lot of ways of cheesing just enough re-honor out. Things like, you can my father's shrine with Mitsuko so she doesn't actually bow. Or uh, with Mizuhiko too. I mean, Phoenix have just got several ways to cheese bowing, not really in the open phase. Now, how much does non 
does Mizuhiko non-experienced matter in these when he comes? I know we talked about earlier with Mantis. Naval is can be really good against Honor, and all of the same sort of thing is true of Dishonor. Does that that one extra chance to be able to you know Naval consumed kill your one defender or, or your guy with a really good battle action? Is that well? That that's always that's always good. But uh, from speaking from personal experience, my deck was running um, Ho Ho and Asako Masako who is a this like really really cheap courtier that nobody expects out of out of out of out of my deck and and she has this ability where I can target my Shigenja and 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 I send somebody home and I gain an honor which would rehonor my Shigenja and Masako. Well and the the important part about that I need to note is that, is that Misako sits at home. Misako sits at home, and and her action is performed by both her and by your Shigenja, who's actually at the battlefield. Yeah. So one of the um, the players I play against regularly plays Scorpion, and I played him at the uh, South Carolina Cote, and we got into a battle. And my first action was to rehonor my guy, and he was like, "Crap, <laughs> what am I going to do now?" <laughs> I also did see a lot of Hidden Moon Dojo this year, which I think is a very subtle but incredibly strong deck. Yeah, I I, I think that. Hidden Moon Dojo it is and probably will continue to be one of the most underrated cards in in L5R for as long as it's legal because even when people are getting savaged by it in a game they 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 don't seem to to think of it. I know when we you played Scorpion and there are games where you use Hidden Moon Dojo to strip their their personalities out several turns in a row, yeah. and then you'll finish the game, and they'll be like, "Oh, I would have won if I just hadn't gotten screwed by my I, by my Dynasty flips." Well, they don't. I mean, they don't associate it with you that's what your box does, yeah. right? Well, also, Hidden Moon Dojo is another one of those things where it's 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 easy to play it okay, but it's hard to play it really, really well. And at the level that you need to be playing. I think actually the irony of that is that the Hidden Moon Dojo, uh, for me, when I play my TST deck, Hidden Moon Dojo is like the bane of my existence because it means that, you know, I want to see at least one of my Shigenjas. I'm never going to see a Shigenja against Hidden Moon Dojo. They're always going to get rid of my Shigenjas. Like, I, I'm running like five in the deck. I just need to get one of them in play. And then I'm like, please. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Making you use Border Keep early or just stopping the second one entirely is incredible, powerful yeah. ability. Um, but it's also a military deck, and uh, a lot of Scorpion players don't like to play military decks. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to hold that against them. It's it, that that's their their play style. Yeah, well, and it's also they again. I guess this might be another deck that got affected low. You know, people always say monks are bad against honor, ninja are bad against honor. I guess low force military decks tend to not do as well against, a- against honor. And again. You had a very, very, very strong honor deck that had high province strength that, that could have caused problems. Yeah. The ninja deck has a really, really hard time against honor in, in a lot of cases. Okay. Well, yeah, because they're all about moving around, and the honor's not there to begin with to move around. Yeah. yeah or you have presence list at the, the end of it when you're done. All right, so that uh, was our take on Cote Season 2010. That's it for Strange Assembly today. Thanks for listening. Music from today's episode of Strange Assembly can be found on garageband.com. It was provided by Tenpenny Joke, Derek James, and Soapbox Paradox. You can visit us on the web at strangeassembly.com. We have some forums where we'd like to talk to you, or you can send us an email directly at strangeassembly at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be talking about the impact of the plague war on the tournament environment. I mean it this time. Uh, I'm Kevin Kennedy. I'm Jay Earl. Trevor Valentine. I'm Chris Stevenson, and I know Kung Fu. Caught above the flame Wangels hide all your children Well, save what you can save Wangels